Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. So what if, what if, what if this very day we could gather in a crowd again without any COVID-19 restrictions? And what if, what if Jesus was about to pass by in that crowd? Would you know it was him? Would you be prepared to seek him and see him as he was passing by? Or would the fiery trials of your life have you so off track, unprepared, miserable, hurting, lonely, sick, broke, and depressed, maybe even self-focused, that you would miss him altogether? Or would the temptations of your life have you so backsliding, lazy, selfish, prideful, arrogant, angry, and self-focused, maybe even oblivious, world-focused, that you would actually miss him altogether? What are you seeking and seeing today? Today, we'll read from the book of Mark. Ask, please grab your Bibles. And um, we'll be reading from chapter 5 in the book of Mark, verses 21 through 43. So please join with me. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and he had suffered many things, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountains of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the virtual had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of the plague. In verse 21, we see Jesus was on the move. We learn that Jesus was ministering in the region around Galilee with great teaching and healing. Many people were gathering to meet him. And imagine how exciting it must be for the people at the time to know that Jesus was coming into their region. In verse 22 we read, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So Jairus was approaching Jesus with an earnest plea. 
For any of you that have children, you, you can imagine what Jairus must have been thinking and feeling. His little daughter, who was 12 years old, was on the verge of death, nearly dying. He literally fell down before Jesus and begged him to come with him, and for good reason. It's kind of interesting to think that there would be a Jewish leader at the time who was willing to listen and obviously was willing to believe what Jesus could do for people. He was there pleading with Jesus to come with him and heal his daughter. Not surprisingly, Jesus responded in favor. Jesus went with Jairus, even as the crowd was thronging him and pressing him and literally choking them all around. But wait, something was about to catch Jesus' attention. It caught his attention so much, in fact, that he stopped what he was doing. Now imagine you getting a 911, or you issuing a 911 call for someone who is dying. And imagine if at the time, the time of Jesus being in this crowd of people, if there had been ambulances and first responders available. And they were on dispatch and they're on their way to go save a dying little girl, age 12. What could have possibly stopped a, a, an ambulance and a 911 crew, emergency crew, to just stop and stop from where they're going to save a little girl? Um, what would it take for that to happen? But here we see Jesus stopping in his tracks. And it happened. He stopped and you know, he looked around and he said in verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians had spent all that she had was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus coming the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Oh my, the certain woman. She had determination. She knew of this Jesus. And not only did she know of Jesus, but obviously she knew enough about him that she could believe what he could do for her. So much, in fact, that even though she had this bleeding condition of 12 years, she was willing to be right dab in the middle of a pressing crowd. The scrum of a pressing crowd, the noise, the hustle, the bustle. It took real guts for this woman to do this. Given her status in the community, she had been bleeding, so she was ceremonially unclean. She would have been isolated and most likely shunned. She had already depleted all of her money and physicians, yet to no avail. Imagine the desperation after 12 years. What would you be saying, thinking, feeling, or doing if this was your case? Yet here she was, in the crowd, searching, seeking, looking, and now finding the one person that could help her and save her. If she could just reach out and touch Jesus. I can only imagine what that pressing crowd might have been like. Some of you, I know some of you enjoy going to concerts in the summertime where there's maybe 3,000, 10,000, sometimes 15,000 people. Or a professional sports game where there could be up to 60, 70, 80,000 people in a stadium. Or more recently, during the early onset stages of our COVID-19 trial, uh, you were out shopping at a Target or Walmart or a Sam's Club and enduring long 
crowds. Yeah, here she is, this lady. She was also in a crowd. I personally, I don't care much for crowds. Um, you know, it takes something very special for me to be in a crowd. Uh, a, a sermon by Don, Pastor Don Ripster, for example, would, would uh, be enough for me to be in a, a crowd. But I can only imagine what this pressing crowd was like. There was something very special going on in this crowd. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The one who heals. The one who miraculously cures people from lifelong ailments. Press in closer. We read in verse 28. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. Instantly, the blood was dried up. And suddenly she was made whole. Imagine if, Gerald, imagine if this arthritis that you've been dealing with for all these years was instantly gone. Jan, if you're listening out there this morning, the backache, the pain, the suffering you've been going through for months and years, you had just reached out to touch Jesus. Instantly, all that pain was gone. Or if someone is watching today and you have a young child that's battling cancer and they were to reach out and touch Jesus and be healed instantly, that's what would happen. That's how God works. And that's what he was doing as he was traveling about teaching and healing. People that had no other way of being reached by a physician or healed by a physician were being healed by God. Imagine that for a second. What was so different about this lady from anyone else, though, that was in the crowd? Well, if we read here, she believed. She had faith. The trial of her life and everything that had made her unclean and cast out for the last 12 years was preparing her for this very moment to seek and to see Jesus. And she was doing so with all her heart, soul, and mind. She had to make a decision, and she decided to believe. It reminds me of the Israelites and what they would write on the sleeves of their garments. If we read in Numbers chapter 15, verses 38 through 40, we read in Scripture, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of the garments through their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you a fringe, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and to do them, and that ye seek not after your own, your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go whoring, that ye rem remember and do all my commandments, and be holy unto your God. What do you use to remind yourself of God's commandments and his promises to you? As I was preparing today's message, I came across some literature by Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal was a famous mathematician and philosopher from the early 1600s. He was also known for his devotional writings. And he also had something special for his sleeve. After a period of life where he really had abandoned and walked away from the Lord, he was living for the world, and he even had spent all of his money. He had wasted a bunch of money, and he was literally lost. 
but he returned to God, found God, and submitted to God. And he wrote something down on a piece of paper, and he folded it up, and he had it sewn into the garment of his uh, sleeve of his garment. And this is what it said. In the year of grace, 1654, on Monday, the 23rd of November, from about half past 10 in the evening until half past 12, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and scholars, certitude, 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 feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. My God and thy God, thy God shall be my God. He is to be found only by the ways throughout the gospel. Greatness of the soul of man, righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. Joy, 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 tears of joy. I have fallen away from him. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. My God, will thou forsake me? May I not fall from him forever? This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, I have fallen away. I have fled from him, denied him, crucified him. May I not fall away from him forever? We keep hold of him only by the ways taught in the gospel. Renunciation, total and sweet. Total submission to Jesus Christ and to my director. Eternally enjoy for a day's exercise on earth. I will not forget thy word. Amen. Blaise Pascal knew what and when he believed. It was Monday. It was November. It was the 23rd day of November. 10.30 p.m. to be exact. The year 1654. He wrote it down. What do you believe? When did that happen? Or did it? What did you write down as your personal account of when you came to faith in Jesus Christ? For me, it was June 18th, 2018. I've not actually sewn this message in, into the cuff of my sleeve or shirt sleeve, but I have journaled it and documented my statement as a reminder as to when I found Jesus Christ and when Jesus found me. At the time I wrote it, I was going through the fiercest, fiercest fiery trial of my life. I'd known God for a long time. I even believed in God. I believed in Jesus. And yet I was living with one foot in the word and one foot in the world. And you can't do that as a Christian. It needs to be all in the word and all of your life needs to be in God. And it wasn't until I surrendered my all to Jesus Christ that I could see what he really wanted to do in my life. And I believed all of God's word, not just some of it, but every part of this Bible that we have to believe all of it and to follow all of it and to trust all of it. Well, I could go on with my own Blaise Pascal account, but I'm going to save that for some other time. For today, I want to return us back to our word. In verse 30, it says here, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that the virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. Oh, did he know. But to see the look on the disciples' faces, look at the people in this crowd, Lord. At this point in the journey, 
um, Jesus stopped and he made the most effective pause. Now, if you're a coach or you're a counselor, sometimes you use an effective pause to listen for intent and form understanding with the person you're coaching or the person you're counseling. Here, Jesus, the God of all understanding, uses this effective pause to draw out the believer from the crowd. He, he drew her out, and he wanted to hear a human confession so that all of us learning and reading this 2,000 years later could know exactly how we can be saved. He turned. He asked. His disciples responded. And then he looked to see, and then he waited. In verse 33, it says this, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Gotcha. You ever play the game of hide-and-seek as a kid or maybe as an adult with your kids? It's probably one of the best free games ever. For those of you who have played hide-and-seek, which is, I probably think, almost everybody, the first thing you do is one person covers their eyes and then starts counting. And then everyone else runs around like crazy looking for a place to hide. When you're three years old, it's really hard to be quiet when you're going out and hiding. But when you get better at the game of hide and seek, you learn that you go in stealth mode and you look for that place to hide. Well, then the time comes when the person counting gets to 50 or 100, whatever that number is, and they come looking for you. And as a hider, you're trying to be quiet. And eventually that seeker is going to come up to you and you know they're around you. You can hear their footsteps and you, you don't know for sure if they can actually see you or if they know you're where you're at. And again, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But there comes a time when the seeker will find you. And it's always a big surprise, both to the person hiding and the person looking. Gotcha. Well, as if they had been playing hide-and-seek, Jesus found this woman. He found her. And for a brief moment, after she had expended all of her energy seeking him and finding him and reaching out and touching him, she became the hider. And instantly, he found her. And she knew that he had found her because she was healed. The Bible says here that knowing what was in her, she was healed. She then came down and fell before him and said what all of us need to say. That is the truth. Jesus, I was sick. I was a sinner. But I turned from everything else going in life, and I came into the crowd of my life, and I reached for you at this moment, and I believed in you, and you healed me, and you saved me, and I fell down before you to worship you. Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says this, At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and the things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This woman was saved for the glory of God the Father. This seemingly nobody of a person, this nobody of a woman, was saved that you and I could also know how to be saved. She was not just some nobody to Jesus. Jesus, God, they loved her as they loved you. She was worth saving, and so are you, my friends.
We must simply believe, yes, it was Jesus that you, you did it. You healed me from my sins, and I confess. I was seeking you, Jesus, but you found me. In verse 34, we read, And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace. And be whole of thy plague. Wow. Who doesn't want that, to be whole of the plague, to re receive the blessing from God himself? So what is the greatest plague of the earth? Well, it's sin leading to death, rotten, painful death. And who of us can avoid that? None of us. Sin and death strikes 100% of the population. There is no flattening the curve of sin and death. Oh yeah, we can, we can squash it down and maybe if we are strong enough or healthy enough, we can live 60, 70, 80 years. But eventually, we're all going to be struck by death. Are you living in fear of death today? Well, you're not alone. Many people are. How can we live without fear or emotional bondage caused by the prospect of death? Again, we turn to Scripture and we read in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confesses is made unto salvation. We can and all will be saved by believing with our hearts and confessing with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. What else plagues you today? Like the woman we read about today, many of you are isolated in your homes. Some of you might be shunned. Some of you are feeling very lonely. Some of you are very sick or feeling depleted. Someone might be stru stuck in an addiction. Does your life feel like the pressure of the crowd that the woman who was bleeding was in? Everything is swarming about, pressing in, inward. Well, if it does, I ask you to press inward towards Jesus Christ. Reach out to him today as if, as if you were going to reach and touch his very garment. Peter wrote this about trials. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Yes, we're all under the weight of many trials and temptations. We all are. But this is not the time for self-pity or self-indulgence or self-numbing or playing blame games. Whether you like it or not, whether you deserve it or not, whether you think you can take it anymore, Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, is coming. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. But why this trial? Twelve years of bleeding. Twelve years of a breathing issue with COPD. Or twelve months of unemployment. Or twelve weeks of furlough. Or twelve short minutes of being tempted into sin. Or maybe $12,000 down the drain for a divorce attorney. For a twelve-second declaration by the judge. Why, Lord, this trial? Why? Why? Well, because it allows me to rejoice. That's why. 
How can this be? Well, see for yourself. When you are standing or floating or whatever it's going to be like in a humanly impossible world, but a God possible heaven for all eternity, you will declare this 12-year, 12-month, 12-week, 12-day, 12-hour, 12-minute, 12-second trial, but just a season. There's a constraint on these seasons. There's a beginning. There's an end. You were in quarantine for 45 days, maybe, all alone, despairing. Well, that was just a season. So rejoice now. This is only a season. This trial will pass. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, the consequences of our intentional and unintentional lives will play out for eternity. I know for a fact the consequences of my life my sin, my sick, and selfish living in my life deserves, deserves damnation. And yet I also know for a fact that Jesus is coming. I stop and I confess my sin. I flee from temptation and I forsake my sin. I submit to Jesus throughout each day. In James chapter 4, verse 7, we read, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you want to make the devil run from you? Well, here's your verse right here. It says, submit to God. Is anything worth it? Anything that you're doing right now worth more than the eternities, the riches of all eternities with Jesus Christ in heaven? The faith in Jesus is more precious than gold. The earth will perish, but your soul will not. It was designed for eternity. So if you have not done so already, I beg you, turn from your self-thinking and turn towards God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust therefore, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Your faith though it be tested with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming. Are you prepared? Matthew 24, 13, But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word shall not pass away. Genesis 1, 1, In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth but he did not make them to last forever. We have many humanly efforts going on even this week. Some of you probably saw on the news Earth Day. And that's great that we have these endeavors to be good stewards of what God has given us. But that doesn't mean we can stop the world from ending. It, it, it's eventually going to pass away. When God ends it all, will Jesus find you enduring and ready Let's be ready for the appearing of Jesus Christ. Though he is unseen on earth today, that does, he, does not mean he's not with us. As believers, we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We even have God's word that we get to read each and every day. This book called the Bible, God's holy and inspired word. Jesus is returning to appear. If he said he's going to return, he's going to return. Are you seeking and seeing him, him today? Consider your current trial, test, or temptation. 
You might be saying, why am I sitting in this apartment all alone with no visitors today? No in-person communication, no one to love me. Oh, I say stop the pity party right now. Like the bleeding woman, reach out for Jesus. Reach out for him with real and genuine faith. Reach out for him. He will find you. He will give you and your life a new purpose. Jeremiah 29, 13. And we shall seek, and ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. You can seek him and find him today. One of the benefits of seeking him and finding him, he will bring you into the body of believers. He will connect you with fellow believers through a church like this one who will help you go through this journey called life. I would say connect with some fellow believers today and live out your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you need to connect with somebody, a real person, live, and talk with them? I'd ask that you go to the Calvary Chapel, Rochester, Minnesota website. There's a phone number there. There's even an email address. Send us your contact information or call us. Someone will be happy to talk you through whatever's going on in your life today. I know Pastor Don loves you, and the people here are genuine, loving body of believers that come alongside each other week after week, day after day, and support one another and lift one another up and press each other towards our eventual goal, that is to get to heaven and honor God forever and ever. And I just ask you again, lean in, reach out, touch Jesus. He'll find you. Let's pray.